All people are different people. Horticulture, baby. You deserve someone that makes you feel like you've been struck by lightning. You understand me, pickle dick? It's Ted Lasso, season two. Welcome to the final main episode of the Center Cuts third season. I'm Dave. And I am Michael. Exciting. And today we're back on the pitch with the gaffa and the skipper for some cracker training. Am I doing it now? Did I do it? Cracker training. Yes. Yes, you did Cracker training. Yeah, we are here to talk about some Ted Lasso, but... Real quick, I just wanted to hit a quick schedule announcement here at the top, since I know some of you don't listen to the last few minutes. We see you. Two weeks from today, our season three capper, the Golden Gorilla Penis Award Show, the third annual. That happens. But a week after that, we'll have a special announcement episode to unleash the change for season four. So if you're not already, we suggest that you subscribe to the show on whatever podcatcher you use. So the episode auto downloads. You don't have to think about it. You have that going right to your feed, and then you'll be ready and prepared. So please do that. But David, we're here to talk about Ted Lasso season two, right? We're here to talk about Ted Lasso. It is a sports comedy drama, as we know. It was developed by Jason Sudeikis, Bill Lawrence, Brandon Hunt, and Joe Kelly. Apparently a team of dudes. As we said, we're covering season two today, which sported an even higher 98% on Rotten Tomatoes over its predecessor at a 92%. Episode one of this season came out on July 23rd of 2021, and it finally buttoned things up on October 8th of this year. Season three is currently in the works, but no official date on its release yet. Jason wants to make it apparently perfect. Yeah, and I kind of buried the lead at the top, but obviously what we're doing here is we only watched the first episode and the last episode, and we're going to recap the ends, and then we have a lot of questions to help us guess about the middle. You threw everything off with your scheduling crap. How dare you? I also think we should say we have since gone back and watched the middle of season one that we missed the first time through. I don't know what you thought, David. It it made me like it just a hair more than I had originally liked it. But also most of what I said last time still stands like it's a good, if not slightly overrated show. I liked it a lot initially, and I continued to like it a lot as I watched the rest of it. Okay, I am mostly just blown away that I got the Jamie Tart baby shark question right. That was impressive. (laughs) But I am bummed that the Diamond Dogs aren't a cover band. Missed opportunity, but there's still room for that to come about in the future. Possible. Hopefully the Diamond Dogs will will start a band. That would be best case scenario. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We were right that Roy has a Kurt's penis, or at least I was. Oh, no. You thought it was straight like a a Minecraft block. Yep. Yeah. Still stand by that. Yeah. No. I think. (laughs) Or, well, I guess I guess you are kind of right because he said that people think it's curved because of the special move that he has. Mm -hmm. So I guess we're kind of both right (laughs) for that one. Perfect. But speaking of curved penises, let's just hammer it on home here with the first episode. Interesting transition. Goodbye, Earl. We open to that little dirtbag Nate's face. And I know I'm judging current Nate by finale Nate's turncoat ass choices and hair but he was already starting off the deep end on this one in this episode yeah yeah we know richmond has been relegated from the end of season one and we learned that we're already on the eighth game of this new soccer season which is an interesting decision they've tied their prior seven games so far which begs the question how is ted still the coach first season relegated second season can't win a game like heck out of here i don't care If you're smiley and charming, results are king. I have zero patience. I would say that seven ties is considerably better than how some NFL teams start the season. I mean, listen, seven ties are better than seven losses, but it's still not where you want to be, especially after being relegated. Especially since you have dropped down to the next. It's like it's like if you took the Jets and then put them in the minor league foot like minor league football and they still weren't winning and they still were bad yeah (laughs) Yeah. i mean that's a point that's a good point so i i don't know i mean obviously we see 
he turns it around by the end of the season. But like, who knew that that was going to happen eight games in? But anyway. Yeah. So Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas. From the first season, he gets a chance to break this game's tie with a penalty kick. But the mascot, a greyhound named Earl, gets loose to chase a bird. And Rojas's kick hits Earl straight in the dome like the dog is Scott Sterling or that poor bird that the pitcher Randy Johnson obliterated or me just crushing two different pop culture references that I'll link to in the show notes. But it's another tie. We end in a tie because the ball does not go in the net. I'd imagine that if Danny Rojas was kicking a ball and it smacked a dog in the face, it would still go into the goal. <laughs> I think the physics true. That doesn't work. You know, that's a fair point. But he does inadvertently kill a dog, which is uh, what a rough. What a start to the mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. You saw it coming from like a mile away. And I saw it coming for so long that I almost thought that something would happen to subvert it, but then it didn't. Mm. I argue that it's the shitty old mascot handler's fault. Bro, that dog weighed like 20 pounds. Man up and hold him better. Yeah. Also, like, (laughs) how did it just come disconnected from the hook that it was on? Horrible job. Doing a horrible job, sir. How is that guy still employed as the dog handler? Yeah. Because he's later in the season with a new dog. If anyone should be fired on this team for their poor (laughs) handling of things, it should be that guy. Agreed. We got the title card, and then we head to Ted's post-game press conference. Trent Krim, independent, asks about Earl, and Ted, instead of giving an actual answer, regales us with a heartwarming recounting of him overcoming a childhood dog scare, with the punchline being that it's funny how things that make you cry can end up turning into things you cry about when they're gone, which is true, it's poignant, and the reverse is also true, like sometimes the things that make your heart burst with happiness turn into things that you cheer about when they're gone, but it doesn't really answer the question. (laughs) which is something that ted tends to do ted's actually very good at this is when he gets a difficult question he just answers with a semi-connected story that doesn't actually answer the question at all but then everyone just smiles and moves on yeah it's actually kind of ingenious it's true it actually is a skill danny is not taking it well he's waterboarding himself fully dressed in the shower and ted tells everyone to be a goldfish again it's okay we can't win just forget about it i don't like it (laughs) And we do meet Jan Moss. He's a new character. He's blunt in Dutch. My favorite. Like Jan. Yeah. And then we get a quick scene of Nate just being a dick to the kid who took his spot when he got promoted. How do you feel about Nate's heel turn here? Here's the thing. It just doesn't feel natural to me. Like he's just a jerk now. And I didn't really get any of that in season one. It's interesting because for us, it was very abrupt, right? In In episode one, he's like kind of a little bit of a, okay, that was a little odd Nate like relax and then in the season finale he's like full asshole yeah and we miss that progression throughout this season but it is still kind of a little bit of a jump from where we left last season to this season yeah it is I mean I get maybe they're just saying like you know almost a year's worth of coaching has kind of already gone to his head yeah that is true we do jump in eight games deep like it's not like we went from one day to the next and it was and he was an asshole yeah i i guess that's fair it is still it just felt a little it felt a little off to me but yeah no i agree it was a little startling at first ted goes in to see rebecca higgins and keely and after a string of mediocre formulaic simile jokes that ted always makes we learn that rebecca's been on the prowl and is dating more on that later Roy Kent has retired. That also kind of came out of nowhere. Got to rest up those old bones. And he's a coach for little girls soccer. Love it. I love it. But this is also the shit for me that keeps me from enjoying this as a comedy instead of a drama. Because you can see from 100 miles away when he's yelling like the awesome ogre that he is that it's going to be a bunch of kids. It's just such low-hanging fruit. Like, I like the show. I really do. I do like the show. It's just the comedy part misses too much for me to love this show. I do feel like sometimes they grab the low-hanging fruit more often than not, but I think that's kind of like the whole point. It's Ted Lasso's whole thing, so it kind of has become like the show's whole thing. No, I I, but I agree with that. It's just not We also for me. shouldn't throw stones because we just constantly grab the low-hanging fruit, so... Fine. I like the show. It just keeps me from loving it. But after practice, Keely, her daughter, niece, little girl that she's in charge of, niece, right? Keely? Yeah, Keely's niece. That's her That's niece. That's Roy's, Roy's niece. Roy's niece, yes. They all sit with Roy 
and drink some coffee on a bench. And one of the few laugh out loud moments for me of the two episodes was Roy's angry swear tirade about not wanting to be a TV pundit. It's like, I'd rather fucking shit in my own fucking mouth, <laughs> which, which was, I don't know. I just, it made me laugh. Yeah. We get a peek into Rojas's brain with a nightmare about penalty kicking with a cartoon goalie dog and real blood splatter. And uh, his football is life mantra shifts to football is death. But he's also sleeping between two hoes. So, <laughs> Danny, chill out. You're eating good, homie. Yeah, relax, man. Ted goes for a boss visit, biscuit in tow, obviously. And he partakes in some girl talk, not the mid-2000s mashup god. I didn't catch it the first time through, but the second time through, I actually really like this. Ted's rule number two, that sometimes girl talk is just about blabbing and not solving something is literally verbatim what Roy and Ted agree upon for what the Diamond Dogs can be in the finale. Mm -hmm. So if my rule of transference math logic from seventh grade rings true, then Diamond Dogs is just girl gossip. Yeah, it's like Ted took his experience understanding what girl gossip was and like transferred that <laughs> over to the Diamond Dogs. Yeah, but I just literally the same exact yeah. text. So I thought that was pretty cool the, the second time through when I caught that, mm. which was easier for us to catch since we only watched those two episodes. Out on the practice field, Danny can't make a kick because Earl's tragic death has really wrecked him. But instead of a corner goal, Rojas hits Ted's rectum. Goal! That was my, my joke was a goal. Rectum, rectum? No? Okay. No points. Is that low-hanging fruit? Yes. Okay. Back in Ted's office, Ted unleashes one of the few lassoisms I actually found funny. I'm more stumped than Paul Bunyan's local forest. And begrudgingly agrees to hire a sports psychologist to try to cure Danny's Yips. Yips. Can't say those out loud. Yips. Roy, Keeley, Rebecca, and her BF, John, have their double date. John's a wanker, but just mm. a run-of-the-mill normie. Just a normal. He's just a normal, and Roy just wants to drink. He just wants to drink. Well, he wants to drink because he's having to not destroy this normal. Yes, not destroy the normal. Speaking of drinking, Ted and Beard are at the pub chatting about the sports psychologist, and there's a joke about Hey, Jealousy being the Gin Blossom's best song, but Follow You Down being Ted's favorite Gin Blossom song. And I couldn't not throw my two cents in since I've grown to enjoy the Gin Blossoms in my later years. Hey, Jealousy is top three. Yes, I concur. But if Allison Road isn't their best song, I quit this podcast. So fuck you, Jason Sudeikis. Allison Road. Sure. We hear the all people are different people lassoism. And then it's the fallout of the double date where Roy Kent shows why he rules. Because he doesn't mm. hold back, good or bad, and he makes Rebecca realize that she deserves better than this boring John schmuck. Yeah, I mean, that specific trait of Roy Kent can be good and also terrible. And I appreciate the fact that you are putting it on a pedestal because it's literally what you do. <laughs> So you think it's it's great. And sometimes it is great. And sometimes it's not. Well, yes, I do agree with that. It's not always the best. But when it is good, it's really good. Yes. But this part was great. Where it's just like, you shouldn't just be like content with a relationship. Yep. I agree, Roy Kent. The next day, Dr. Fieldstone arrives. She's very self-serious, but she wows the guides by declaring that she's twice as good at her job as Ted is with his. And she gets set up in Higgins' office. Rebecca breaks up over lunch with boring John. Mm. Question, though. The part where she's looking around at the couple texting each other, the couple drinking together, and the solo woman. What the hell was I supposed to understand there? That these I, people were unhappy? That they were happy? I don't, I don't get what I was supposed to understand. I felt like it was almost, this is what I am. This is what I want to be. And this is what I don't want to be. Oh, like she's like in a relationship where it's kind of just stagnant and boring. The texters. And then you see the two people that are like really happy. And she's like, oh, I wish I was like those people. And mm. then we see the woman sitting by herself and she's like, but I definitely don't want to be that. David, I think you nailed it. So is it worth being the first thing to not be the third thing instead of the second thing? I don't know how you got all of that without any other subtext, but I think I think you're right. <laughs> And that makes me appreciate it more. Glad to be of service. Back at the club, Danny exits his dock sesh and nails a beautiful arcing corner kick. He is saved. Football is life yet again. Thank goodness. Only took one session. She fucking crushed it. <laughs> and the other players line up for her services. We close with Yoga Mom's night. Roy Kent joins the biddies to watch Lust Conquers All, basically like a Love Island parody starring his rival Jamie Tart. Oh my god, so good. I did I did I that one that is particularly like something I did not see coming at all of Jamie being on that show. And just like during the double date with John Schmuck, he gets angry and needs to drink more. Mm -hmm. Kind of a weird ending to the first episode of the season, but 
Okay. I wonder if they're like slowly setting up that Roy will be an alcoholic or something. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? It's the price of him being a better person. Who knows? Is that it? That's it. Let's hit the finale, baby. All right. Well, then let's let's hit the finale of season two, Inverting the Pyramid of Success. We open to an ESPN newscasty type thing, but it's not ESPN. It's some soccer-only channel called Soccer Special, and it sounds terrible. The three hosts talk about Ted and how it's been revealed that a game where he had to run off the field was not due to a stomach issue, but in fact was a panic attack. We also learn in this little rant that Roy Kent used to work here. And then one of the dudes starts just showing no compassion towards Ted. And the other guys are like, I miss Roy. And it was that, that was amusing. But we cut back to Ted, who turns his program off on his TV, which was running in, turns to eat his breakfast. He dumps out a, a brick of wheat or whatever <laughs> that they do in, in Europe. Weird. He gets a number of text messages while he's preparing his breakfast. One from Rebecca, just like, fuck the haters. A message from the psychiatrist, Dr. Fieldstone. And then his ex-wife, Michelle, reaches out expressing concern not much concern just like a little bit of concern and then after he's like yeah i'm good and then he asks a question about her life and she's just like nope and he's like sorry if she can't tell you if it's a 3 a.m booty call or 3 a.m early wakey then she's trash toss that garbage out and move on theodore yeah i mean how hard is it to just have a conversation with a person <laughs> come on also like the nicest person in the world like, it shouldn't be difficult, Yeah, but whatever. Screw this lady. Yep. Screw that lady. He starts to, to walk to work. Everyone is kind of looking at him weird and commenting on, on the news story. There are papers everywhere with his picture on it and people on their phones and looking at him all weird. He ends up finding Beard on a bench, uh, waiting with a coffee, and they just chat for a second and then head on into work. How do you feel about Beard protecting him? And not admitting that he read the story in his newspaper. I don't think it's necessarily Beard protecting him like he hasn't seen it. I think it's Beard trying to have a conversation with him without Ted thinking that it's influenced by the story. But it is influenced by the story. Oh, yeah. Why lie? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay. In the office, we have Rebecca Keeley and Higgins discussing Sam. Apparently has an offer to go play on the Nigerian national team. This is also the part, and I guess I realized it, you know, halfway through season one. I realized that every time Higgins smiles, his mouth is like a sharp V and not like a U, like a normal person smiling. And I, it makes me angry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. It just bothers me. He's just got a weird mouth. He does. Uh, it doesn't bother me. But you know what does bother me is these jokes, man. The, there's a joke about there's a joke about Melrose Place. Melrose Place. Mm -hmm. What did I tell you the last Ted Lasso episode? It's full of jokes for fifth graders and 90s pop culture head. And I'm a 90s pop culture head. But it's again, it's just it just makes it blatant that they're making the show for a specific target audience of 30 to 50 year olds. And they aren't afraid to hide it. They're like, we're going to make all our jokes about things from 30 years ago. In fact, I guarantee that there is, I guarantee you have my Michael center cut guarantee. That's worth literally nothing, but go ahead. <laughs> that there is a joke somewhere in the middle of season two about Tamagotchis and Elian Gonzalez floating to safety. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. <laughs> all right. You heard it here first, folks. If we go back and watch the center of this and there's a Tamagotchi joke, then we're going to have to, we're going to have to call it. Yes. I, I don't know what that means, but. <laughs> It'll be a big thing. I get a million internet points. One million internet points. Too bad you need at least five billion to even matter. <sighs> okay. Well, Sorry. I just... A million's I, not going to do nothing for you. Again, like the timeliness. If you want to make a Melrose Place joke, make it 25 years ago, honey. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Don't understand. Jesus okay. Christ. I've said my piece. Well, Ted made some biscuits as well, brought those in. Turns out to be bad because he used salt instead of sugar because he's just distracted. But Rebecca ends up loving them anyways. Jamie is back. He's looking for Roy. Also, Jamie still looking fresh as hell, man. <laughs> that dude can dress for real. Yep. So he's looking for Roy, which is interesting because typically he's just avoiding Roy at all costs. Mm -hmm. And... um. Nate's hair has basically turned gray. <laughs> I don't know because it's just like to show his progression to the evil side. There's questions about it. Who knows? But woof. It looks like Richard Gere took a shit on his head. It looks like he aged 30 years. It's like if that dog from the Call of the Wild curled up on his head and died. 
<laughs> it's like he bought a wig on PartyCity.com, and in transit, somebody sprinkled it with dust from a bunch of crushed up candy cigarettes. <laughs> that one was maybe too specific, but <laughs> woof. Woof, crushed Nate. up candy cigarettes. <laughs> Talk about an old reference. <laughs> <laughs> so Roy finally comes in. Jamie and him chat. Jamie apologizes. Pretty heartfelt. Yeah, I would really? say. I agree. I agree. Like I really believe him. Uh, he told Keely that he loved her at Rebecca's dad's funeral. So that's interesting. Roy looks at him for a second, then shouts "fuck" and then leaves the room. <laughs> which I mean is better than the reaction we would have expected mm-hmm. from old Roy. And then we come back to Ted, who apologizes to the team for not telling him about his anxiety. Roy is here, too, again. Now we can kind of confirm he's a coach now. So yeah. he works here now. Yep. This is where Roy ended up. He's not coaching little girls anymore. Well, maybe he is. <laughs> Keely got offered a chance to start her own PR firm, which is really exciting. She's mm-hmm. been killing it here at Richmond. She's worried about telling Rebecca, so she goes to Higgins for some advice. And after a while of him trying to figure out how to give that advice at all, he basically explains that Rebecca's your mentor and she's going to be happy that you're moving on. Yep. We also cut to Sam, who is on the phone now. So Sam is a pretty major player this last episode that we see. Yeah, I liked it. And he's on the phone with his dad, kind of talking about the decision. It's apparent that he hasn't decided yet. And his dad tells him that the universe will give him a sign for the right answer to just be open to it and let the universe show you the way. And then literally when he hangs up the phone, he looks over into a field and sees a bunch of kids playing soccer and a bunch of them are wearing his jerseys. So I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. So just because you see someone wearing his jersey, that's enough. Which is weird because also like if you go to that uh, the Nigerian exactly. national team and play, there will probably be kids in Nigeria <laughs> Like who are wearing right. your jersey because those are your people would that make you even more happy and excited exactly that's exactly what i thought like instead of some see, seeing some wankers in <laughs> in in england wearing your jersey you could actually see like people from your country wearing it well i guess maybe but, that maybe that's his point is like i already have these people that love me at home if i can get can, this other country or other culture to also adopt me like that's i'm having more of a wider impact i guess but yeah. that's I don't know. Uh, Who knows? Whatever. But back at Roy and Keeley's place, Roy explains that he forgave Jamie and they uh, both got excited over Keeley's PR firm. Uh, They decide they're going to drink a bottle of champagne that they've been saving. Uh, I just thought of this off the cuff, but whenever I hear PR firm, so I always, I always, when I hear PR, I think of Puerto Rico or Puerto Ricans. So like a PR firm is just like a, it's just like a hard Puerto Rican cock. (laughs) Go forth. Probably edit that out. I'm glad I stopped for that. (laughs) That's a a welcomed tangent, I suppose. (laughs) That's what you call someone that's a nice brown-skinned man that you like. A welcomed tangent? A welcomed tangent. (laughs) No. Now I'm mad. Now I'm angry. (laughs) Now I regret it all. I'd give back that last joke to avoid the the current Uh, one. I'm here all day. Oh, God. Well, Geely gets a a text about some Vanity Fair previews of her article that's supposed to be coming out. Apparently, her and Roy went to go take pictures for it, but they didn't use any of the pictures of Roy in them as well, which is a little bummer. She's Mm. like, oh, this sucks. I'm going to reach out to them and get it fixed. And he's like, no, no, no. You look gorgeous. You look powerful. And you look like such a bilf. Which I I would imagine is businesswoman I'd love to fuck, but I'm Mm. not sure. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, I'm telling you, solid bum for a British bloke. Her, not him. Royer. Yeah, I guess. Can you call call female specifically uh, is typically reserved for men. Well, it's 2022 now, David. You can't tell me what I can call different genders. That's true. You know what? That's true. You're you're absolutely right. She is the hottest bloke. The hottest bloke in this show for sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, he grabs her and they go upstairs to fuck. Ted and Beard chat at the pub. Apparently, Ted knows that Nate was the source of the leak. We kind of get a little bit more information about this later, but Ted apparently knows. Keely tells Rebecca about the PR firm. They both cry for a while. It's like an ugly, dirty crying, which I didn't (laughs) love. Rebecca finds out that Rupert bought West Ham United, which is uh, a rival Premier League team. So that should be interesting. If they get promoted, they'll be in the same league with a team that is owned by Rupert, which Mm -hmm. is not ideal. But it's game time. It's it's game time. Nate's wearing a black suit. Looks like he's going to a funeral. Fucking relax, dude. Ugh. 
Beard's over here in sneakers and sweatpants and you're wearing a fucking suit. This entire finale, I just want to kick Nate in the dick. Just a swift punt to his two South Asian testicles to the moon. Agreed. Agreed. They're going to run Nate's play or Nate's formation, which is called the false nine. I don't know. Roy asks for some advice from the guys. They give him a temporary membership to the Diamond Dogs and they just listen to him. He's just kind of bummed that he wasn't in any of the pictures and he's afraid that Keely's going to kind of outgrow him because she's, you know, going to be famous and popular and great. And he's afraid that he's just going to like fall to the wayside. I laughed out loud at Roy saying that it hurt his feeling. Like he only has one feeling, in his entire one body. single feeling and it hurt it yeah <laughs> uh, nate also makes a confession he kissed keely and he tells roy and roy is immediately just like yeah it's fine <laughs> and nate's like kind of mad that roy's not more mad about it it's like you don't want to headbutt me or something he's like no you're good i forgive you you're fine it's like obviously you're not a threat yeah gray-haired black suit little munchkin <laughs> But the Brenton team is up by two going into the half. The false nine is not working. According to Nate and a few other people, it's not really the false nine's fault. It's just it's a new formation that the team is not really executing correctly, but it should work. But he keeps on fucking screaming about it, and he's just a goddamn dick, like a full, full-on dick now. Yeah. Like a PR firm. <laughs> the coaches discuss whether or not to abandon the false nine thing. Roy's like, just ask the team. They're the ones running it. And when they go out and ask them, all of them are like, uh, what? Like, they're asking for our opinion? But ultimately, they agree. Jan is just like, yeah, we could do it. We just got to tighten it up. And everyone agrees. So they do. Yep. They put their hands on the belief poster and head out for the second half. We do learn that they need two goals to get promoted, essentially. Nate is obviously angry, so before he heads out, he runs into the back room and Ted approaches him. Nate explains that he abandoned him, that he made him feel important and then just left him behind. He thinks he's a, a fucking joke and he would have never won a game without him, that this job didn't fall into his lap, that he earned it. Um, excuse me, you were goddamn towel boy. <laughs> and then this miracle of a coach was like, hey, do you have opinions? I'd love to hear them because no other coach in the world would do that. This guy did. You didn't earn this shit. Ted Lasso handed it to you on a silver effing platter. Yeah. Not a fan of Nate anymore. Fucking hate Nate so much. He can suck a PR firm. Sam scores the first goal. They are now down one. But to tie it up, to get the team back in the Premier League, Jamie gets fouled. And this is a point where we expect Jamie to be a big strong boy and be the, you know, the big playmaker that Game he is hero. and take the kick. But instead, he gives it to Danny because he could benefit from it. We also mm -hmm. learned that this is the first penalty kick that he's done since the whole Earl fiasco. So... Mm -hmm. Uh, not great, but he makes it. Football is life, and Richmond's back in the Premier League. New Jamie is a shell of himself. I like New Jamie quite a bit. Yeah. Nate storms off the field, heads into the back. Roy headbutts Jamie and then hugs him. <laughs> back at Ted's office, Nate is gone. And as they all arrive back in the locker room, Ted finds the Believe poster that was hanging above the coach's office, torn in half on his desk. What kind of snot-nosed, fourth grade, pencil dick having, little weasel pussy rips up the Believe sign? Nate can fuck right off. Yeah. I mean, I know we didn't watch the middle portion, so I don't know if I would have any like residual feelings for Nate. But after watching this episode, I'm like... I can't wait for them to kick this motherfucker's ass. I hope he dies in a plane crash. Yeah, I, w I would be behind it. He is being <laughs> a real asshole. He has like he went from being like a very likable, like one yeah, of the better he was characters. Like one of my favorite characters in our first episode to being like, I have no remorse for your death type characters yep. <laughs> like what happened yeah that's crazy that they could make that bet you return but uh but yeah so higgins comes and grabs sam and he explains to to edwin <laughs> that he's gonna stay here he's not going to to the nigerian national team and man this dude <laughs> freaks out he throws like a high level temper tantrum and fucking basic basically to sum it up tells sam that He's going to destroy him and he will never be on the, the Nigerian national team. And he's going to buy his childhood home, shit in every room and then burn it down and then shit on the ashes. <laughs> Which is just insane. He, he fucking strangles a mannequin wearing a Richmond jersey on the way out and then and then pretend shits on it. it. Yeah, it uh, yeah. that Edwin Akufu scene top notch is so good. Yeah, I, I have also threatened to shit in all the rooms of somebody's childhood home. So I, I get it. 
Like I get surprised. I get it, but yeah, uh, really, really good stuff. And like Sam is just like so confused, and Higgins is outside of the room, like looking in, like what is going on. But Ted does go to chat with Rebecca. Sam shows up and tells them that he's staying. It seems to me like there was some kind of romantic tension mm-hmm. between Rebecca and Sam. I agree. So. That's interesting, but part of his whole thing is that, like, he says he wasn't staying for her. Yeah. Which Rebecca's a little bummed about, but also, like, you can't be too bummed about that. If anything, they're trying to, like, take the pressure off of you thinking that they gave up their magical opportunity to be with you. Mm -hmm. Because that's, like, a recipe for resentment. (laughs) But whatever. Ted runs into Trent on his way out. Trent is no longer a reporter because he got fired when he told them that he had revealed the anonymous source that gave him the Ted Lasso tip, which I believe means that Trent told Ted because he felt bad about it, that Nate came to him and told him about the panic attack situation. Perhaps that is an assumption. Yeah. But I I don't, I think it's a horrible assumption based on other context clues. Yeah. But then from there, we just get a bunch of time interval updates. Five days later, Keely's packing up her office. Roy gives her some tickets for them to go on a, a long vacation. And she's excited about it, but also says, I can't go. I have to work. And Roy's really bummed about it. And it feels like this is the start of his concerns or kind of he feels like this is his current concern coming to fruition of like yeah. she's going to kind of move on without him because she's going to be you know so successful and great yeah bigger and better things three weeks later sam purchases a small storefront in like the downtown area and he says that he's going to be turning it into a nigerian restaurant interesting okay i hope you're going to still play football bud <laughs> football and food bowl hmm. Hmm. <laughs> i really appreciate that you had the like the the start to that joke lined up and you didn't know what you were going to do for the punchline. So you just said, hmm, <laughs> like that's a thinker. Hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Football and football. Hmm. <laughs> I imagine that's what you do on your couch when you're coming up with these other terrible fucking <laughs> combination <true>. jokes. <laughs> I have point A. I have point B. How the fuck do I get there? <laughs> <laughs> Well, two months later, we're at the West Ham United practice field or stadium or wherever they are, and they're running some drills. It's looking like a very serious situation. It's it's like comparing Mr. Miyagi to Cobra Kai or whatever that other (laughs) place is. And Rupert walks over to talk to the coach, who we can see from behind, and he has some salty, fucking crushed up, candy cigarette looking hair. Guess who it is? None other than Nate, who walks directly up to the camera. Does a little eye twitch and then smiles. And I hate him even more for just this this closing scene. Now it's so deep that I don't even just hate Nate. I hate this actor. <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here. What was that? Nate, 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 Nate. You smug little bottle cap face looking bitch. I have no idea why or how he became the villain. Which this was a little bit of a surprise to us, obviously, that he is coaching Rupert's team, obviously. But I wonder if this was kind of explained throughout the season of him kind of getting more or less like corrupted by Rupert. Maybe. And maybe he got an offer like, hey, I'll pay you fucking one million dollars if you try to fuck up the gears in Ted's machine and then come over yeah, here and work for me. Or maybe, maybe he just started that little like, you know, they're they're using you. They don't know what they have. You're better than this. And blah blah blah. He started like Rupert was like corrupting Nate to hate Richmond and Ted Lasso and, yeah. and the whole crew. Which then I would feel a little less bad about how I feel about Nate. But without that piece, I fucking hate that dude. Yeah, but at the same time, like, dude, you are stuck in the slums with Rupert in charge. And literally as soon as Rupert left, now you're like top of the pops like fucking one of the main coaches he earned that for himself whatever he got to where he is with hard work and determination and a dude who happened to talk to him that when no one else would yeah all right david well before we get into our many questions we need a center commercial we do i would love that right now i think that's the best thing for us right now Guys, we don't have a traditional ad this week because I just wanted to take this time to talk to you about the Golden Gorilla Penis Awards. They're very important. They're a staple of the center cut, and they're your opportunity to get on the show because you can submit a category so that we can pick out our favorite 
blah, 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 like I've said previously, of this season. Whatever you want. Or least favorite. Submit a category or a question or whatever, and we'll put it into the Golden Gorilla Penises, and we'll answer it. Yeah, and you can do that with your voice at podinbox.com slash thecentercut. Or not voicey, texty, emailing thecentercutcast at gmail.com. Also... If you don't have an idea of kind of what you're thinking for a category, like what do they mean? Well, then go listen to the past Golden Gorilla Penis Awards. We got two of them. Yep. You can go listen. You can see what we've come up with categories in the past and be like, oh, I have a good idea. They should talk about who has the most curved penis. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk about it. Sure will. It's a good yeah. idea, David. Thanks. It's on the list. And to make sure that you get that episode straight into your veins, you should probably subscribe using whatever podcatcher you have, which I talked about at the top of the episode, but now I'm talking about it again in the commercial. It's how important it is. I like it. Go subscribe. Get our episodes. They just fucking pop in your shit. Done. Easy. It's a button. Click it. Please and thank you. I mean, thanks, I guess. Bye. Bye. All right, David, we have a lot of questions, just like the first time with Ted Lasso. So let's <sighs> get on into it and we nail some, some of these are pretty good. Questions. Yeah, there's some good ones. I'm excited. All of these questions are via Reddit. Let's start it out with, I think, the most important question from Bad Air Day. Why did Nate's hair go gray? Is the only answer you need. Being a dick can do that. <laughs> I bet you didn't know, but if you're just enough of a dick, your hair turns gray. Yeah, it was the number one question I had while watching the finale, so that's why I moved this one to pole position. So bravo, bad air day. You have the best question. And my answer is that I'm not going to answer this yet. I will answer this a few questions from now because I think it's related to something else. Teaser. <laughs> so you, Teaser. Moved it, you moved it to the top of the question just to say, I'm not answering this right now. Yeah. Teaser. Oh my God, teaser. I want to tease. I want to tease. Uh, as much as that annoys me, you know, I love it when you tease. <laughs> uh, so, uh, CJ asks. Repeat asker. Last time you called him Sean. Repeat asker. Love it. What is a banter? This was notably on the guy's jerseys in the finale, but not in the opener. Mm -hmm. So I think whatever it is was one of the sponsors of the team, obviously. Agreed. And because it's missing an E, it reminds me of Tumblr or Grindr. And since there's no way a website like Tumblr would be sponsoring a team, I'm guessing that it has to be a dating type app since you have you also have tinder though containing an e it also and it's also ending in er like banter and grinder so i think it's a dating app and that's how two characters who i think have bumped uglies found each other more on that later i am on the same page yeah i was thinking like because the the e was missing i was like okay well banter is like a conversation between two adults like a back and forth type thing and then when you remove a letter like that, you immediately think that it's like an app or something like yeah. that. So I, you know, what what is an app where two people connect? And that kind of led me to dating app. I'm with you. Logic. Logic yeah, for baby. the win. Well, we both could be wrong, but at least we have the base. We both we have could the same be drastically idea. wrong. <laughs> Next question from Right of Spring 5. Whose house are you going to for Christmas? Oh, um, I guess my parents, I guess. Yeah, we host Christmas Eve at my house and my parents come over since my brother already lives with us. Why do you ask? No, I mean, obviously, I, think, <laughs> I love the I love the response question. I mean, obviously, somebody asks this to another character. I think that's the only reason Rite of Spring would ask this. Yep. It's a tough one to parse, but I'd say maybe Higgins asks Keely this, insinuating that she's getting pretty darn close to Rebecca. So Rebecca mm-hmm. or Roy, mm-hmm. whose who's house you're going to? Or do you think it's like Higgins trying to, he's trying to get an invite to Rebecca's house? Also that. Everyone else was invited and he knows and he's like trying to like drag one out. <laughs> Could be. Uh, but Rebecca <laughs> definitely has better eyebrows than Roy. So it's a Christmas toss up. That's a good point. Roy's better company though. True. Our next question from Writer Spring 5. Do you believe in communism? Overall, no. Aspects, yes. Universal healthcare is a form of communism or socialism, I suppose. And I'm all for that. But anyway, I think Nate asks Ted this when Ted is being his typical goldfish self and letting the players run practice and divide up the plays. Hashtag Nate's a dick now always. They desecrated his character. But I think this is Nate asking Ted. It's an interesting thought. Overall, no, I don't believe that 
the full communism is the way to go. But I, I agree with Michael. There are certain aspects, certain rights as humans that people all deserve that I think should be provided to them. Uh, and so in, in that regard, maybe I do believe a little bit in communism, if you're going to define those as communism. But overall, no. Okay. No, no connection to Ted Lasso? No. Okay. They didn't, they didn't mention Ted Lasso. It's true. Right of Spring did not mention Ted Lasso. Next question. So this is from Dependent Beach 6117 and secretly a CIA unicorn who died Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and whose dad dies. Uh, So we found out about this in the season finale, unless there are additional deaths. But I think it's uh, Rebecca's dad. It's hinted at a few times. She receives some flowers and then someone literally says at Rebecca's dad's funeral. So I'm assuming that that's the answer. I know we hear about Rebecca's dad's funeral in the finale, but I have to imagine that this is not what people are asking about since it was very clearly referenced like multiple times. I teased it. I think it's Nate's dad who dies, and that's why his hair goes gray. Studies have shown that grief can do that. Grief can turn your hair gray, and that would also explain why he's such a grumpy little bitch now if his dad died. So it all makes too much sense for this not to be Nate's papa. Interesting. On top of Rebecca's dad's funeral. You would think it would connect them, but it drives them further apart. Delicious bean water asks. (laughs) That was just perfect. Yep. Why do Roy and Keeley take his niece door to door? The season starts in October, so obviously I think it's trick-or-treating, except I think Brits call it guising which I think is more accurate than trick-or-treating, so I am going to adopt guising from now on, but that is the answer. Yeah, I don't think trick-or-treating is like a major thing in the UK, but I do think that if Ted, at some event or something, she was talking to him and he like asked, are you excited about Halloween, not really realizing that they don't celebrate it in the UK, and she's like, what's that? Not really understanding the United States version of Halloween, and he explains it, and she gets so excited about it, they take her out trick-or-treating. I like it. Same page. Next question from Delicious Beanwater. What's Jamie's signal? A boner. <laughs> I'm going to take a page of you out of your book and say I will accept no further questions at this time. Okay. Uh, I think that Jamie's signal is he winks, and then he grabs his wanker and does a little like alternating leg hops like he's hopping onto an invisible horse. Wow. wow. That's very specific. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Calpool626 asks, which character would you say had the most development in season two? I would say probably Roy Kent. Like, Ted is the same person. Beard's the same person. Nate is just magically a bad dude this season with absolutely no development. And Roy seems like a genuinely positive dude by the finale. Would you argue that development is, is just like developing the character and in that case it wouldn't matter if it was good or bad it's just like yes but i don't think they developed nate i think he just turned out bad without any development so that's why i think it's roy and he seems like a genuinely positive dude he's even forgiving jamie and actually enjoying being an assistant coach so i'm gonna go with roy you know i was going to originally say nate and your argument actually just swayed me. And I think I'm going to say Jamie. He was my second choice. Yeah, I think we can make the argument that Roy was already turning a page at the end of season one, where Jamie was definitely on the other end of the spectrum altogether. And by the end of the season here, he is like a totally different person. So, yeah, I think I think Jamie has come leaves and bounds from where he was previously. Yeah, Jamie and Roy were my two options because I feel like the show actually showed them developing. Whereas, again, Nate is definitely different than when we saw him in the finale of season one. But I just don't think they did a lot there. Mm. All right. Next question from Laura J624. What is this season's truth bomb? This season, Ted ends up meeting with Dr. Fieldstone. And I think he says that was a truth bomb when she tells him that your constant optimism is just a facade to hide your personal challenges from the world. And he says like, man, Doc, that was a truth bomb or something ridiculous like that. Okay. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. This that truth bomb was a thing in the first season, right? Yeah, I think there was one time where I wonder if like each season has like one yeah. specific time where he says that was. A it was bomb. it was Ted saying something to Rebecca, right? I don't remember exactly. Yeah, okay. I think so. I don't remember what it was. Though. Yeah. This is a a podcast episode in season two, so we don't need to be masters of season one. Sorry. Yeah. I think this one, Ted tells Rebecca that one day he slept in and had to buy her a biscuit from the store instead of making it himself. That's his truth bomb. (laughs) Interesting. All right. PWT886 asks, who is the team barber and why is he so important? I think that this is what Roy Kent's actual title is since all their coach slots were already filled. 
So they hire him on as team barber in name, but he's really just an assistant coach. And I also think it's kind of a travesty that they have him anywhere near other people's hair because uh, look at his. This isn't too bad. Look at his eyebrows. Although I did not love his full beard at the beginning of the season. So I was happy when we got to this, the end of the season. And it was more trimmed down and clean looking. I think it's Jan Moss. Doesn't he have a bowl cut? Yeah, his hair is terrible, but <laughs> I think he's very truthful to the team about how their hair looks, and mm. that is important in a barber. I don't hate that, but I think I'm right. Next question from Mike Tiss, another repeat asker. What song did they sing at the funeral? Yeah, I think this is related to some questions that we're going to have later, but I think this is Never Gonna Give You Up by Ray Gasly. Never gonna give you up. Unfortunately, I agree with you. I think this was spoiled by a question coming up, and my guess is... Never gonna let you down. It's a big Rick roll with Never Gonna Give You Up. I'm sorry, Mike Tiss. Blame Tofu Fox and no KCO something something for not reading the other questions. It's not our fault. They didn't read it's, the other questions. I mean, they just popped in there like, I'm gonna ask my question. You're gonna read the other questions. Read the room. Tofu Fox. Read the room. <laughs> Sorry, Mike Tess. <laughs> Our next question from Yes, I Could. Have you ever been to Vegas? No, but it's on my bucket list. I'm a big Atlantic City guy. I could play poker and roulette for literally 12 hours on end, but I somehow don't think that's what you're asking. I think this is similar to one of the earlier questions. I think if some character asks this to another character. Maybe it's weak logic, but maybe when Ted asks one of the players what Dr. Fieldstone said to them to make them better, they're like, have you ever been to Vegas? What happens in her office stays in her office. Wow. I don't think that's too much of a stretch, actually. That's pretty good. Thank you. Um, No, I've never been to Vegas. I'd like to go sometime, though. No connection to the last one. Again, no I guess they didn't mention any connection. Fair. It's not my fault that they didn't offer. Yeah. It's yes, I, I could. I mean, I'm fault. just answering the questions, you know? That's what I do. I'm just answering questions. Fair. Yes, I could. Next question. How do you cope knowing the universe is infinite, but your consciousness can end in a second? I think the same way everyone else does. Just hugging my wife petting my dogs, having a stiff drink, and making peace with the impending doom of unavoidable death of everything and everyone I love. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I, I, because that's the beauty, yes, I could. We have this tiny little pathetic chance to do something that could end in the snap of a fingers. And while, yeah, we're all kind of stuck in this caste-like society, no matter how you dress it up, late stage capitalism can suck my ass. The potential to do most things is limitless. That's beautiful. Also, I think Trent Krim says this to Ted. All right, B. Stern 7 asks... What is the name of Ted Lasso's pissed-off alter ego character he uses as a motivator for the team? What fashion choice does he make? So I think Ted just changes a couple letters. He's now Tad Lasso, and he flips his little visor hat thing backwards because if I know only one thing in this life, it's that dudes who wear their hat backwards, unironically, are the douchiest of all the douches. I wear my hat backwards all the time, man. <laughs> Point made. I take that as a personal attack. <laughs> Um, I agree with you that I think he only changes a few letters, but I think it's Ned Crasso. <laughs> Ooh, Crasso. I like that. Could be. <laughs> and I I would agree that I think it, it's something it's not like I would love to think that he comes in in like a full outfit, like wearing a leather jacket and like ripped jeans. <laughs> and he's like trying to be really like badass. But but you're right. Like something as simple as him, like turning around his hat or like turning his jacket inside out or some bullshit like that makes yeah. sense. But I do know that when he's hanging out with a bunch of teenage girls, he's Fred Sasso. And when he's smoking the reefer, he's Jed Grasso, obviously. <laughs> uh, next question from Fox Tofu. The team learn a choreographed dance to a classic boy band hit. What song is it? I think it's Bye 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 by NSYNC. And I think that they choreograph it at the end of the first game that they finally win. <laughs> mm, okay. Uh, I went with Backstreet Boys. I want it that way. Mm, solid. In high school, I read this book, Fade, by Robert Cormier. And for my project on it, I made a video where I was this ghetto thug dude and somebody could become invisible. And they walked in on me singing, I want it that way, in pink slippers, in a skin-tight pink shirt, kissing a poster of an Abercrombie and Fitch model. So all of that is to say I did my own choreography. And uh, I hopefully never lose that video as it's embarrassing. <laughs> I want it that way. Good answer. Fox Tofu asks, why did Rick Astley say that he was completely blown away with what they did? I'm assuming they meant with that song. And also this question was semi asked by Nocaciono, who asked who got Rick rolled. You two spoiled Mike Tiss, you suckers. And Rick Astley said he was blown away because a funeral was Rick rolled. Easy. Yep. It's amazing. Obviously, it was Rebecca's dad's funeral, I think. And I, I think this the whole team sang it. Yeah, agree. Next question from Ray Love. Who atoned for their sins? Danny for killing the dog. 
that seems obvious to me. How though? I think that like a few episodes in, he does like a little funeral for Earl. Hmm. Okay. And he atones for his sins by like doing a eulogy. My answer is very different. I think that Ted says this about Dr. Fieldstone, who he first thought was a villain for stealing his job of making the players better. He says this, that she atones for her sins after they hook up. Yep. Oh, wow. I think he grows to like her so much that instead of going into her her office, he goes into her orifice. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) Wow. I did not even for a second think that. So Mm -hmm. that is... uh... That's interesting. Yep, he goes into her orifice. Talk about a close connection with your therapist. Mm. <laughs> Raylove also asks, what is the significance of Friday the 13th, 1991? So I looked at a calendar here, and that would have been September 1991, and the Terminator 2 was just finishing up its box office run. So I think that Ted went to go see it in theaters, and he uses that story to make some stupid I'll be back joke. Just like Arnold said on Friday the 13th, 1991, when I saw T2 in my local theater eating popcorn and holding my first lady hand, I'll be back. Like right before he goes to go take a piss or something, because everything is so damn extra with him. Jesus. Man. <laughs> um, I didn't look up the day, but now that I know that it was in September, I'm going to say that it was a day in which Ted remembers getting bullied at school and he is talking to Phoebe. So yeah, I think he is talking to Phoebe and telling a story about the first time that that he got bullied um, for his mannerisms and the way that he carried himself and got into a a whole thing to try and make her feel better because she was getting bullied in school. Nah. I'm going to connect it to another question, bitch. Okay, bye. Ray loves last question. Who says goodbye by leaving people letters? Nate. Because it's kind of a weird thing to do. But also, I think that the letter he left Ted was the rip sign on Ted's desk. Uh, I think the answer is a mailman. Next. No, I think... Uh, good, I think... good answer. Moving on. Negative <laughs> no, net I... no, 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 no. My actual answer, I think it's Edwin Akufu. And he oh. takes a shit in every envelope and then lights the mailbox on fire. <laughs> <Perfect>. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah, a good answer. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> All right, negative net 9455 asks, complete this line from Coach Beard. Shut up, blank, blank. Hint, it's a person's name. This is also a repeat asker, and I'm going to go with, shut up, nasty Nate. If it's not the dad death that gets him, this is what turns his hair gray immediately. Call him nasty <laughs> Nate and just gray hair. <laughs> just like cuts away, cuts back, and his hair is gray. <laughs> oh, man, that would be very good. <laughs> and he just looks so defeated and like sad. I think this is a callback to season one, and I think it's shut up, pessimistic Nelson. Mm, okay. Negative Nelson. Mm-hmm. Next question from CW Vandal fan. What group is Beard's mom a part of? I think that a Jamie Tart fan club has arisen after his appearance on that reality TV show. So I think she is a member of said club. Hmm. When, the, when I first saw this question, I was originally going to say the yoga moms, but that doesn't make sense logically unless he moved his damn Why mom out to the UK. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or she just takes part via Zoom, which would be very 2021 of them to do. <laughs> so it's possible, I guess. That she's part of the Zoom yoga that yeah. Roy happens to be in? Yeah. But no, I'm going to go, I'm going to say M-A-B-B, MAB. It's like MAD, M-A-D-D, but it's MAB. It doesn't stand for Mothers Against Drunk Driving. It's Mothers Against Beardless Boys. And he's talking about why he will never shave. My mom's a part of the a part of MAB, Mothers Against Beardless Boys. That's why I can't shave. Where do you come up with this shit? <laughs> My brain! It's really fucked up. <laughs> Rod E15 asks, Jamie Tart is a blank, and I hope he dies of the incurable condition of being a blank blank. Jamie Tart is a wanker. And I hope he dies of the incurable condition of being a cancerous cock. Mm. Not too far off. Jamie Tart is a wanker, and I hope he dies of the incurable condition of being a horse's taint. Wow. All right. Yeah, we're pretty close. I like it. Audio Addict 321, another repeat asker. I also hope that our audio is still good. What did Coach Beard accomplish that Cher didn't? Wearing clothes that fit. (laughs) (laughs) David, do you believe in life after love? Do you believe in love? Because Coach Beard does, and that's mm-hmm. what he accomplished. Cher, on the other mm-hmm. hand, could feel something inside her say she really didn't think she was strong enough. No. 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 Yep. So I think uh, I think he accomplished life after love, unlike Cher. Wow. Congratulations, Coach Beard. Yep. Audio Addict also asks, who is the princess and who is the dragon? 
I think this is a metaphor that Ted uses to pump up the guys to win their first match, the ninth game of the season. I think the victory is the princess, and the team needs to beat the dragon, which is adversity slash the other team, to retrieve said princess. And then to the victor go the spoils, and they get to fuck Princess Peach. And I think it's all going to play out in that new Super Mario Brothers movie next year. Can't wait. Yep. Luigi's going to win it all. Well, let me start. So I think that Roy becomes a coach before Jamie comes back to the team. And when Jamie Ooh. arrives back, Roy pulls him aside and is like, listen, you're the princess and I'm the dragon. <laughs> and I swear to God, if you fuck with me, I'll fucking burn your ass to high heavens or something. Who knows mm. what he says? But I think this okay. is Jamie as the princess and Roy explaining this to Jamie that he is a dragon. Okay. He's going to be dragging those nuts across Jamie's face. What? Dragon? No. Okay. Sometimes they just don't work. It's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Hurry Smart 4573 asks, what song is the ringtone on Higgins' phone and why that song? So I think this is never going to give you up again. And I think it is because he heard it at the funeral and it got stuck in his head. So he made it his ringtone. Imagine if he had never heard that song. (laughs) That was his first time. (laughs) I like that song at the funeral. Oh, that's pretty good. Who's that by? I think the answer is Thong Song by Cisco. That thong, the thong, thong, thong. And why? I don't think it's what you think. I think he actually doesn't like the song, but he lost a bet with Ted on whether or not Dr. Fieldstone could make Roy stop swearing. Higgins was like, oh, she can do anything. She can make him stop swearing. Ted's like, nah, I know Roy. And Roy obviously doesn't stop swearing. So now Higgins is just cursed to hear, baby, make your booty go, denna, denna, and dumps like a truck, truck, truck for the rest of his life. What? Hashtag jealous. Okay. (laughs) Moving on. Our next set of questions, because we got so many questions, we are going to answer these with a limited number of words. Just like last time. Just like last time. But this time we're going to do eight words because that's how many games they tied in a row to start their season. Yep. So only eight words and we got to do it in our Ted Lasso accent again. I love it. Ultimate Dude 08 asks, who does Ted bang? Dr. Fieldstone. Head doctor gives head docked her rebecca's friend from the first season after the divorce hmm. frizzy gingy asks who helps beard when he is getting beat up roy shows up and fucks some shit up jamie tart not a bad bloke after all it's not a bad answer inevitable papaya 47 <laughs> i love that name that's a great name why would there be a dentist in roy's neighborhood it's because british people have rotten chompers in it it's such a rich area <laughs> there's even dentists Mr. Turk Turkleton, another repeat asker. <laughs> Great names in the, in the eight question section, guys. The entire team got bottles of liquor for each other as secret Santa presents, except for Colin. What did he get as a secret Santa gift? Colin just got some apple juice, little wanker. Poland Spring can't contribute to an Irish man's vice. <laughs> Jay Levski asks, repeat, 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 repeat. What is the sexiest date? Ice cream, mini golf, licking things. Hole in one. <laughs> Drinking wine on the couch and watching TV. Mm, both. I could do both things. Why is a best dressed award stupid? Because obviously it's Jamie who's best dressed. It's not. Fashion over function. Center cut rule. What does Roy get Phoebe for Christmas? Brass knuckles. Fuck shit up, you little badass. She's getting bullied, so she gets a nap. <laughs> Potato ducks asks. Nice. What two characters have a classic rom-com, you had me at hello moment? This has to be Coach Beard and Ted. Mm. Sam and Rebecca. Inappropriate power dynamic, but sexy. (laughs) (laughs) What in the world? The Holes Hopple, 6258. The Holes Hopple, (laughs) the Holes Hopple, 6258. Why does Sam want to open a Nigerian restaurant? Rebecca already tried his root. Now tastes roots. He realized that he won't always have football. Mm, deep. Mm. Just like Sam and Rebecca. <laughs> that PR firm. Mm-hmm. Chalk and Trees asks, who does Danny get cheeky with? May, the owner of the pub. Mature lover. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Fieldstone. His yips come back in bed. <laughs> Johnny Law asks, who's the team's captain? McAdoo. We learned this last season. Pay attention. Isaac. But Roy is a captain of our hearts. Ooh, both true. What does Nate do to pump himself up? He always listens to the Hamilton official soundtrack. (laughs) 
listens to Chumba Bawamba and does pathetic looking sit ups. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Nate. <laughs> Who attacks Beard? Nate's pet rat. More on him later. Tease. <laughs> A chess champion. Ex of that chess lady. Ooh. What two players are gunned down on Christmas? Sam and Danny. Nerf battle with Roy's niece. Mm. Sam and miniature prince looking guy. Racist Brits. Do you know I'm talking about that guy who looked like a mini oh, prince? No. <laughs> no, I don't oh, know. There's a guy who looks like Prince, but very small. He's like a new character this season. He's one of the players. No. <laughs> I don't remember noticing oh, okay. a tiny prince. He's there. I'll have to keep an eye out for tiny prince when I watch the middle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hurry Smart 4573 asks, why can't nine-year-olds do headers? Their facial bones are too soft. Too messy. Their heads are too soft. Lose brain sales. What celebrity did Roy date once? Sporty Spice, and she's a freaking bed. We're, we're close, David. Scarra Spice. <laughs> Wait, that's the black one, right? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Great, we're going to get canceled now. Wonderful. <laughs> Fantastic. Who is Charles Edgar Cheeserton III? Chuck E. Cheese's illegitimate son, Nate's pet rat. A pet mouse that Ted bought for Beard. Mm. Farka asks, what is Keely watching on her phone that's getting her all hot and bothered? A clip of Jamie on his reality show. Raw can't swearing and grunting on Sky TV. Oh, that's a good that's a good answer. What's Roy's kink? Roy eats ass. Man after my own heart. <laughs> he loves watching reality television with old ladies. Mm-hmm. Who shows Jamie's dad the door? Roy. Him and Keely were helping him out. Logically, Ted. But for the LOLs, Leslie Higgins. <laughs> Leslie Higgins. What the hell is Beard wearing? That hat, right? Thing's dorky. It's dorky, Beard. <laughs> a fedora. It's a gentleman's finest hat choice. What kind of asshole gives a funeral present? The kind who expresses their love for Keely. Nate says this. He's so grumpy. Hate him. <laughs> Hate him. Why did Sam give Rebecca his address? Wanted to put his balls in her net. They're dating and she's going to get it. <laughs> what does Ted do to fix his back? He does one of Roy's ice baths. Real cold. Mm. Yoga. Specifically, downward facing diamond dog. Diamond dog. <laughs> I love how you beat, you built the repeat into your eight words. <laughs> I had to. We got to do oh, eight words. Oh, my God. <laughs> what did Ted eat that made him sick? Trick question. His inner anxiety ate him up. His feelings bottled them up inside. Never good. Nope. Who is Tina Fayhound? Tina Fayhound, your runner-up on Mascot Idol. <laughs> Mascot replacement for caved-in head Earl. Woof. No, because they end up picking the other one. You're wrong. I know you're wrong. Okay. Because they picked the gray one. Who kicks Isaac's ass? Jan Moss. He's probably my new favorite character. Jamie can beat him every time he tries. Who is Jimmy Paper? Jimmy Paper? Trent Crim's evil twin. That's obvious. <laughs> Piece of parchment that Ted pretends is person. Interesting. <laughs> A lot of peas. What is Ted's favorite book? Chicka Chicka Boom Boom. He's a toddler, man. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, because that's the only book I could find that was eight words long of the title exactly. <laughs> Last question from Tanner Jalen. What is the name of Ted's second child? Nate. And he turned into a big dick. Nothing. Trick question, you son of a bitch. <laughs> that's how you end it, huh? Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a lot of questions, and I'm feeling confident that we got at least twenty percent of them. Every single one. Yeah, was we tied. We tied a few of them. We tied a few. Yeah, I but, guess maybe. But ties maybe matter. We got some ties. But I think we're undefeated. Like we either got them <laughs> right or we tied. Yeah, agreed. We didn't agreed. lose any. Agreed. But David, now that we've answered our questions, it's time for us to rate season two of Ted Lasso. What is our center count score? Such excitement! 
<laughs> I like it. <laughs> I'm going to give this a, a six out of seven. It dropped down one for me. I think I gave season one a seven out of seven because I do really, really enjoy this show. I just fucking hate Nate now, like <laughs> so much, yeah. like so much that it had to bring down the score for the entire show by one point. I don't know. I just feel like them turning him into a villain is surprising yeah but it did bring it down a little bit for me because i just like really liked him in season one and really hated him in season two yeah i'm gonna go with a four out of seven just like i did last time i only laughed out loud three times again in the ends the edwin akufu bit at the end just really really great and roy kent swearing (laughs) up a storm about not wanting to be a tv pundit those were my two favorite scenes otherwise the jokes almost felt even more formulaic this time it's just jason always being like this thing is blanker than insert pop culture reference rinse repeat like that's that's the joke every time and i'll say what i said again last time as a drama yes i'm behind it good stuff these are almost universally lovable characters like lovable they're all really really great characters and you want to see them get better and succeed as a comedy maybe it's me i just it it very well could be me it's you comedy shows are usually misses for me and it's not because i don't dig comedy i i clearly do i actually i think it's sort of an inverse of the whole soccer thing i talked about at the beginning of season one like that if i can't do something i can't connect if i hear jokes that i feel like funny if i feel no no if i hear jokes that i feel like (laughs) i could write i don't like it like i'm only truly wowed when it's something that feels fresh something that i couldn't have come up with because at the end of the day i'm just a hack so if it's something that a hack could have come up with you got to aim higher jason you got to you got to make something better than i could make so that's that's what it is for me Interesting. But still, four out of seven. It's a good show. It's a good show. I just don't think it's the best thing I've ever seen. I'm sorry, Ted Lasso fans. I know I failed you. There's always season three. Believe. Believe. (laughs) Well, that is it for Ted Lasso season two. Sure is. What are we coming up next, Dave? Coming up next, we're going to do a center chat, and we're going to do a little bit of a uh, a Diamond Dogs draft. Oh, I'm excited. This is going to be good. So we have chosen 10 of the main characters of the show, and we are going to do a little draft to each draft our own little our own little five-person Diamond Dogs crew. Oh, it's going to be so good. I can't wait. I hope you have last pick, and you have to be stuck with Nate. Oh, fuck. Whoever's stuck with last pick is getting Nate. <laughs> Well, I'm looking forward to it, David. They're all great characters, so either way, you're probably getting a decent team. So that will be fun. What's coming up after the center chat for Ted Lasso Season 2? Yeah, so after our center chat, the following Wednesday, we are going to be doing our Season 3 Golden Gorilla Penis Awards, our GDPs, where we figure out the best of the best for Season 3. Always love it. I'm excited to cap off the season in Mm. style naked. Yep. Very, very fun stuff, David. But that's it. We're done for today. That's all of it. So like the soccer ball in between the eyes of that helpless dog, it's always better in the center. I regret that one already. (laughs) 